0: but yet you have christians who have miracle stories today i've literally had christian friends of mine who are like what about this miracle atheist and i'm like oh well here's your story have you checked it like this guy says he was a doctor was he a doctor or have you it's like no i did like i just read it and here you go like like they literally have the ability to fact check it in their hand in the very thing they're using to tell me about it and they still don't What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. Uh, This is Jordan, and with me, as always, is Jared. Say hello, Jared. Hello, Jared. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about miracles. Uh, We recently had a conversation uh, with our friends on the Proselytize or Apostatize podcast, Uh, the two Davids over there. They were kind enough to invite us onto their show and have us host one of their episodes and so we had a nice discussion about miracles and we thought we might um, delve a little deeper now that we don't have a bunch of
1: christians interrupting us all the time you say it was a nice conversation but we did a hostile takeover their podcast
0: yeah it was definitely uh very aggressive no (laughs) no it was great it was a lot of fun definitely go check it out um i thought i thought i had a good time but before we get into the miracles uh today's podcast is brought to you by two words actually the words of the day the words of the day uh a priori or a priori if you're american and a posteriori (laughs) and i I knew i was gonna fuck (laughs) it up god damn it
1: a posteriori
0: yes that that one a post uh (laughs) And so the, what these two phrases are, they're basically, they, they mean.
1: Um, with or without experience, basically. Right.
0: With or without experience. Something that you can know a priori or a priori is something you can know without experience. You don't, you don't need to leave your living room to, to know it. For, an example of that would be that three plus three equals six. You can get it straight from your mind just from logic. Or that uh, you can't have a married bachelor because definitionally it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's to contrast with the other one, a post, <laughs> <laughs> which you can only verify with experience. So a, someone could claim, for example, that Fred's house down the street is blue. There's right. no a priori a now I'm screwing up the other one a priori way to know you have to go look
1: right. Or if I told you my car was 17 feet long, you couldn't know that until you went and measured it. And you had experience with it. like.
0: And even if, say, you said your car is 100 feet long, right? So I'm like, well, there's no way because cars aren't that long, right? That's still, I'm using experience to know that. Right. I, I didn't know that. I, I have other experience I'm drawing off of. I didn't get it just out of nothing. So the claims that we're going to be talking about today would fall in that latter camp, a posteriori, because – they have to be verified. They're not true a priori. We don't know that they're true
1: already. So we have to go verify them. Yes. And sometimes, well, as we'll find out later, we can't. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, in case you haven't watched the other video, uh, basically we asked them what their stance was on miracles, whether they thought they happened, and if they did how can we know that it's a miracle? How can we distinguish between something that is miraculous versus something that's just unlikely? Yeah, and the two the two of them actually had different views, but Paulman's view, David Paulman's view, was the one I liked the best, which was essentially: if there's a natural explanation, it's not a miracle. Full yeah. stop.
1: Or go with the natural explanation first, basically. Yeah, and he also they also kind of had this view that. Which I was surprised at um, that most miracles have to have some sort of like meaning, like pers- like from God kind of thing. It can't it can't just be something like silly, like I found my car keys, kind of a miracle. Like it has to have meaning that means something. S- some, some kind of religious,
0: some kinds <laughs> of religious context. Yeah, exactly. So like, I found the cars to my vehicle. It's a miracle. Wouldn't fit, but I was late to deliver a sermon and I prayed to find my keys and then I found them so wouldn't yeah. fit Paulmans but that's yeah. the religious you're getting uh, closer
1: to a, a miracle right yeah, yeah.
0: And, and the fact that there is religious context in their opinion makes a miracle claim more likely
1: right now I don't know if it's just because we were having a conversation with them kind of like an intellectual conversation on their podcast but I would assume that most Christians wouldn't have the same definition of a miracle as they do. Um,
0: yeah, I agree. Most Christians and myself fr- from my own experience as a Christian, it seems that a miracle to them is just an unlikely thing that's good that happened. Yeah. So if someone's cancer goes into remission after you pray about it, miracle. Yeah. Or yeah. if Tim mentions Fan's mother has her cataract fixed
1: <laughs> that's... Any Tim mention fans out there <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah um yeah but but also they would say that god is doing it it's not just something unlikely it's unlikely and god is behind it
0: right right yeah. it, it's it's unlikely therefore god reached down with his noodly appendage and caused something to happen yes so that i think that's probably the more common view on miracles like if you just run into a theist on the street and ask them about a miracle story you'd probably get something like that yeah.
1: but why does this matter though i mean like why are we even talking about miracles i know we said we had the podcast with them but why do we bring it because it was our idea to talk about miracles with them right mm. so but why does this matter so
0: usually when i'm talking to someone about why they believe And what is it that convinces them that God believes? Depending on the sophistication of the believer, we usually will start with something like the cosmological argument or uh, the teleological argument or other kind of highbrow apologetics arguments. But if we dig deeper, if we address those or set those aside or whatever, usually where it ends up after that is, but miracles. But, But God has intervened in my life, and I have this personal experience, and that's what lets me believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I found that too, that it usually comes down to either faith or miracles um, being the reasons that people ultimately give for either A, believing, or B, maintaining their beliefs.
0: Right. And so it, it's a foundational reason that many people come to believe in religion or sustain their belief in religion. And this isn't new either. If you look historically back in time, the whole reason people had gods to, to begin with was for miracles or interventions yeah if you look back at ancient pagan religions they would sacrifice to the gods and they did they didn't do that just because they felt like it they did it because if you sacrifice the gods good things would happen they would yeah. do stuff for you you'd get a good crop that year or they wouldn't destroy your city yeah.
1: <laughs> or they would if you're reading the old testament you know who knows but you
0: know whatever i mean if you looked over your shoulder at the wrong time boom pillar of salt yeah <laughs> Um, which which is super unfair like there is an explosion happening right like you want to see it right like and i've seen explosions and i would still look
1: like i've caused explosions explosions yeah Yeah.
0: right this is an ancient person who's never seen an explosion before in her life and she dares to look over like come on man you're gonna have all these fireworks but nobody can look at them
1: what if she was like forgot her dog and she was just looking back to make sure the dog was coming like you know
0: or you're, you're running away from something you're scared what do you do you look over your shoulder and look at it
1: Right? But she was told specifically not to look
0: back. That's so true. Cool. She was she was told specifically. Therefore, It's totally yeah, fair. Totally fair.
1: <laughs> Boom
0: pillar of salt. And you can actually see that pillar of salt. Uh, I know someone who talked to somebody who saw it. So oh, it's still there. It's still there to this day.
1: You can trust I would have thought like some donkeys would have came up and like licked it away nope. or something.
0: It's been supernaturally preserved, and I can attest to someone else attesting to it. Wow,
1: that's pretty good attestation. So, there you go. It's a miracle. All right. So, our definition of miracle then we should probably kind of lay that out there. I think for us as skeptics and atheists, we're just going to go with the the definition that it's an extraordinary coincidence, you know, or or a very unlikely event, kind of.
0: Yeah. So, a miracle to me would be some kind of unlikely or extraordinary event that is purported to have a supernatural cause. So, someone just unlikely stuff happens all the time and if nobody is saying that god did it then that doesn't fit muster right yeah the, the whole reason we're talking about it is because somebody somewhere is claiming that some kind of
1: supernatural entity is causing it right and before we go any further like just to one other reason why we we're talking about this is because we like to examine the way like our thought processes and stuff and if you're you're um your default is to go to miracle, then you may have an error in your thinking that you want to extract out and replace it with proper thinking. And so we're going to try to provide some proper thinking techniques for analyzing miracles.
0: Right. Because if you think about it, even if God exists, and even if he does in fact intervene in the world, surely not every miracle claim is true, right? Some of them are made up or wrong. Even if you think that every Christian miracle claim is true. And if you do, I'm sure, I mean, with some digging, you could find people who claimed that there was a miracle and later they were lying or something. But even if you, you write all that off, I mean, you, do you believe that every Muslim claim of miracles is true or, or Buddhist miracles? I mean, every religious tradition has miracles. So I, uh, no matter where you're coming from, probably there's some miracle claim that you think is false. And so the question is, why do you think that one's false? And then applying that same level of scrutiny or whatever right.
1: to, to your own tradition. You, you want to make sure you're not having special pleading or something like that for your right. own.
0: Right. Like, these are the evidences I would, re- I would be required, I would need in order to believe a Muslim who told me a miracle. But I have a different set of evidence if it is a Christian miracle, because I like those better. Yeah. So that's the kind of that's the kind of pit I kind
1: of like, I, I like the Muslim miracles better because, I mean, they do cool stuff like split the moon in half. I mean, Moses is part of the Red Sea, but Muhammad split the moon in half, so that's pretty good. Right, cool.
0: and it's still split today.
1: Yeah. Well, he put it back together. Oh, okay. cheese. That's why there's
0: cheese <laughs> up there. Cause... Yeah. Uh, what would it take to convince us or to convince you?
1: Well, to convince me, I would want uh, evidence. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean... I would want s- multiple attestations. So, like, I'd want multiple sources citing that this event happened. It would be nice um, if there was, like, let's say if it was a medical miracle, for example, like, I'd want to have, like, doctors going on the record saying this is what happened. I want, like, records of the event, medical records before and after. Like, I don't know. Like, the whole the evidence should be proportional to the claim kind of thing kind of comes in here. I know that's a, atheist trope at this point, but it is for a reason, you know? Right. Um,
0: I think for me, it's... it it kind of would go in two phases, because I'm not coming to the table with any kind of supernatural belief, right? mm -hmm. So, if you are going to use a miracle, first, you're going to have to convince me that the supernatural exists. Sure, yeah. Right? And so, if you're using... a lot of times, miracles are used as the proof of the supernatural, right? And so... That means that not only you're trying to convince me that this thing you're claiming happened, happened, but also that it happened because of the supernatural layer,
1: right? Right. You're trying to push a big rock up a hill. You you need to get the – make sure you have a rock first. Right.
0: So for me, for me to believe that first miracle, it would have to be something that is impossible naturally because if it's possible naturally, then I don't need a supernatural layer to explain it, right? right? And so – now, once once you've convinced me through some form of evidence, perhaps a number of miracles that I'm persuaded on, and okay, I've bought the supernatural exists thing. At that point, now that goes into my background knowledge, now I have a different, you know, now the, the level of scrutiny might be a little lower because I already have accepted the supernatural exists, if that makes sense. They basically, you've only have to convince me of the miracle now. You don't have to convince me of the supernatural part because I'm already there. I think that's impossible. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not holding my breath either. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, where we stand now, it would have to be a thing that is impossible. There's no natural but, explanation.
1: Yeah, but what I'm getting at is like you're, you're having a conversation with somebody and they tell you uh, that they had a miracle. You don't automatically say, well, prove the supernatural first. Like you're going to ask them questions about the well, miracle. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, but what I mean is what the questions I'm asking, what I'm going to be digging for is any kind of natural pathway. Right. So, and if there is any natural pathway yeah. at all, then that's all I need.
1: So so our first step is when we're asking or looking for evidence for miracles is, is it possible that it could have happened by natural means?
0: Right. Uh, because, and, and it, this shouldn't be controversial, even if you believe in the supernatural, right? Because uh, the most
1: things that happen are natural. I would say most all things are?
0: Natural. I, I'd say all things. Yeah. But definitely most things, like even a theist could agree that most things that happen are natural. Like yeah. the laws of physics cover most things. So if that's what happens most of the time, we should rule that out before we go to anything else.
1: I think we're going to give some examples of miracles here in a second so we can kind of get an idea of what qualifies as a miracle for Christians. Because we did some Google searches just to see like, you know, modern miracles and stuff like that. Uh, and we're using Christianity mostly because we live in America and most everybody in America is Christians. Like if we were doing this in Syria, I'm sure we'd be talking about, you know, Muslim miracles, but we're not. So, so just kind of, I think going a little bit of a tangent here, but I just wanted to talk about just miracles in general and like our own personal experiences with, with in the times that we were Christian. Um, I think I would have said that anything that God did in the world was a miracle. So if God had gave me a funny feeling, that would have been a miracle because it went against like my natural disposition. Right. So I'm in church singing, come on, funny feeling. Boom. I get it. Miracle. Um, But looking back on it now, I can realize that the, the natural explanation for that is just, I was around a bunch of people and, and feeling elated.
0: You know, you had a, you had a funny feeling.
1: I had a funny feeling. <laughs>
0: Which happens sometimes. I had an experience once this wasn't a miracle. I didn't think of it at the time either, but, it, and I was Christian, but when I was a kid, like, I don't know, 10, maybe. I went to my aunt's church, and that church at the time, I guess, was super like charismatic because the the preacher was doing the whole like the power of Christ, boom, and people are falling over. You know, the power of Christ compels you. Yeah, and just like doing the slap on the head thing, and people are falling down, right? And I was up there. I don't remember why, but for some reason I was in the lineup, and he's doing it, and he hits me, and so I fall down. Not because I felt anything. I was like, well, everybody else is doing it. I guess I'll do it. You know, yeah. like it was literally just. It went in Rome.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a miracle. Yeah. The other thing I thought about when I was a Christian was, and this really bothered me, was like miracles in the biblical times happened all the time. And like on a grand scale, you know, and like Jesus made all these claims about Christians being able to do miracles and greater things than he ever did. And I'm like, what the fuck happened between then and now? Like it always bothered me that miracles today were always like really Like stupid miracles. Not that a baby is a miracle, but like bad. But you know,
0: in the Old Testament, they're like turning sticks into snakes, and they're parting seas, and they're lighting altars on fire. People are really coming back from the dead, (laughs) and Jesus is bringing people back from the dead, and he's spitting on people and making them like not blind anymore. He's taking a big
1: thing of water, so you know what? That's now wine.
0: Boom, booze for this wedding. And then you fast forward today, it's like. Hey, my mom had cataracts, and then they had a surgery, and it turned out really well. So, hey, our
1: church burnt down, but guess what? Our Bible survived. Yeah, so miracle. that's a
0: miracle. But what about the whole church? Don't worry about the church. You know, <laughs> what about all of the other Bibles that? That burned little you? guy, I
1: wouldn't worry about that little guy.
0: <laughs> like you have more than one Bible, right? The, all the rest, you yeah. Know, but this out. one didn't burn. But though. this one didn't. <laughs> yeah, like
1: it, or, it or seems- the plane crashes and one survivor. You know, it's like yeah but, but everybody else died
0: <laughs> yeah it just just turn that claim on its head and but like turn that claim the other way, right so like a a plane has a hundred people, and one person- died it's a miracle but if you a plane died and ninety nine of the hundred died, it's a miracle like, yeah. like what <laughs> miracle ninety nine
1: people died it's
0: like, another one that I heard all the time as a Christian was uh a person was like gonna go to church or something or whatever, right and didn't like they they lost their keys or they felt lazy and they never feel lazy or some kind of weird thing happened and delayed them by a period of time and then they find out oh someone got murdered there and if they would have been there it's oh it's a miracle oh. it's like well hold on it's you're the one who got away but the other guy still died <laughs> is it a know? miracle that
1: somebody died yeah it's like, like...
0: <laughs> god was like no 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 little susie you're done paul f you man <laughs> yeah. go get shanked <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, it's just so crazy. Like, what qualifies as miracles it really bothered me as a Christian, and even bothers me now, like, much, much more. Um, because it there's so much disconnect and like dissonance going on to even call these events miracles. Like, and
0: yeah, and that's a good point. Like, even if you're a Christian or a theist listening to the podcast, you also should be concerned and maybe upset about all of these miracle claims being made because if people are claiming fake miracles then all that's going to do is obfuscate the real ones right if people have all of these thousands of miracle claims that are clearly not miracles then they're going to miss the couple that are really important right or it'll devalue the actual ones you know it's like if people are making false claims in the name of your god so that should be concerning i would think yeah. Speaking of false claims, so we literally just googled like modern miracles and found so- uh, stories. We tried to pick stories that were miraculous, as, that were miraculous, <laughs> that, that were considered miracles by Christians, right, and that were attested in multiple sources. Ideally, ones that were also reported in secular sources, right? So, like a form. news
1: source or uh, right. me- like maybe. Finding them where the news source was hard sometimes. We did find a couple or some sort of like article that wasn't a Christian website, basically.
0: Right. So basically, and that would clear the first hurdle of this more likely, ha- like something happened.
1: An event happened, yeah. It wasn't right. just somebody saying something happened. Yeah, because uh, there were plenty of that. So March 2015, a 25-year-old woman, I'll give her name since if you want to go look this up, you can go look this up yourself. Her name was Lynn Jennifer Grosbeck. She lost control of her car and landed uh, like over a bridge, like upside down in this icy river in Utah. And 14 hours later, first responders show up on the scene and they found her 18 month old daughter, Lily still in her car seat, hanging upside down above the frigid water. Right. Um, But the the miracle, they say, well, they say that this whole event is a miracle, that the baby was still alive. But the miracle, they say, is that when they got there, the police officers and firefighters report that they heard an adult voice yell, help me, from inside the car. And then they discovered that this couldn't be possible because the young mother uh, likely died from the impact of the car and was down there for 14 hours. So the entire event, car crashed upside down, 14 hours. They get there on the scene, and they hear, help me, in an adult voice. And then they find the child still alive in the car. Right.
0: And so that's, that's the version that is in the Christian sources. Is the date, the person, upside down, time, and then the voice. The voice is emphasized because that's the miracle part. Yeah. However, like we said, we went to secular sources too. If you go to secular sources, the voice part isn't reported. Like the the, the fact that there was an adult voice heard isn't part of the time story for example they also have body cam footage but to be fair the body cam footage cuts in like right as they're getting yeah. to the car so i'm sure
1: if you wanted to you could do a freedom of information act and ask for the body cam footage before but like right probably but whatever it's <laughs> what i found was interesting so natural explanations what is a possible natural natural explanation for this so i think of a couple
0: so first off the most obvious natural explanation to me is that the
1: whole adult voice thing didn't happen. So you're saying that the police officers and firefighters who defend our country on a thin blue line are lying?
0: Every single one of them
1: are <laughs> liars.
0: And not only that, their mothers are prostitutes. Uh- <laughs> No. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways that this yeah. – first of all, I haven't seen a statement from the actual people there, right? True. And so we've got different sources reporting on this story. The more reliable sources don't include this piece of miraculous information. The further removed we get from those primary sources, the more miraculous
1: and, stuff is being yeah, inserted, right? Embellishments could have happened. Right. So and natural so, explanation is embellishment. Right.
0: Now, uh, just to be clear before we go on, we are not saying that this is in fact what happened. What we're saying is here are some plausible natural explanations that you would need to eliminate before you could even hope to say it's a miracle. So one would be embellishments that the whole adult voice thing didn't happen. Mm
1: -hmm. Another could be that they misremembered it. We'll get into this a little bit later about memory and eyewitness testimony. But it's possible that the child who's 18 months old and very well could know words help and me. Those are pretty simple words. Could have been yelling, help me, out of the car. And the, just in the heat of the moment, they heard it as an adult voice. Um, so when we watched the body cam footage. There, it's a bridge. There's cars going over the bridge making a lot of noise. There's running water was making noise. There are bystanders. There's up, like a
0: crowd, up, a on crowd the-
1: up on the top. Who knows? Maybe there's somebody up there is yelling, help me. And they hear it and think that it's coming from the car. That's all more plausible than yeah a miraculous voice coming out of nowhere.
0: Right. So, and that's the key point. It's not necessarily that this happened. It's that this is a explanation that is more plausible than an invisible sky wizard caused a voice. Right. Yeah. Too bad and I, the invisible sky wizard didn't stop the car crash to begin with.
1: And the other thing too, is like, I was thinking about this just now. So let's say that the invisible sky wizard didn't cause the voice to help me. Are the police officers or firefighters going to turn around and walk away with this car sitting in the water? Like, oh, fuck it. I didn't hear a voice. Just leave it. Come back later with a, yeah, a record. Yeah, that, that,
0: that is a great point because – so the miracle claims – and the way that it's described in the Christian sources, is like there's this car out in the middle of nowhere and yeah, it's like, in the river nobody
1: would have found it. just happened it. to be walking by and they heard the voice yeah. and went down and found it, which is with, not what I mean, happened.
0: It is not at all what happened. Like there are people on the bridge looking at this car. Yeah. you know, and the, it's not like the cops are like wasting time. They're freaking out trying yeah, to get they're to this car. They're running to the car. Yeah, right. So it's it's not like they're like, oh man, there's a car. Better wait two hours till a crowd shows up. You know, like, <laughs> so the, yeah, the the story is just completely implausible to
1: begin with. But yeah. I, I think what's more more than likely what happen is this this Christian website, um dot com. If you're interested in going to it, um, and
0: many many other places, but that's yeah, the one <laughs> yeah
1: from. this is one we're pulling the story from. Are trying to find stories that seem convincing and and pulling at heartstrings what's more heartstring pulling than a baby who could have died right speaking of babies who could have died
0: (laughs) yeah uh you're sensing a theme here uh so this one comes at us from brazil a young baby yep well i guess all babies are young this one's Uh, really young this one's really like brand new fresh out of utero still got the new car smell and everything uh yasmin gomez uh, g-o-m-e-s by the yeah. way g-o-m-e-s and i hope i'm not mispronouncing it but so the story the story from the christian sources is that a this woman is trying to give birth to the baby the baby is i can't remember is she is she dead on birth
1: or no the like, baby's alive uh Well, I don't know from the Christian source, but I know from the medical source that the baby is born with vital signs.
0: Right, right. So the baby is born and something happens. I'm not really clear what exactly led to the death spiral, but somehow the baby is like dying and they're trying to revive her. And, uh, the doctor whose name is Aurelia Philippak, Dr. Aurelia Philippak, uh, Tries to revive this baby and is unsuccessful and pronounces her dead. Signs, death certificate, and everything. The nurse takes the baby, says she was blew over, she's completely dead, is supposed to take her to the morgue, but feels so bad about this baby being in the morgue, like for whatever reason she decides that wouldn't be right. So she instead brings her to the chapel. And then several hours later, the baby's grandmother comes to pick up the baby, and the baby's eyes pop open, and she begins kicking, and she's
1: breathing, and it's a miracle. Now, the baby in this story is in a box, too.
0: Well, that's actually the, the discrepancy, because from the Christian stories, usually they're, they're reported many different ways. Most, Many of the Christian sources had it just as I told you. If you read the Huffington Post, though, there's one important detail that's left out. The baby has died. She's pronounced dead. The nurse puts the baby in a box, closes it, and then puts her in the chapel. And then three hours later, the grandmother picks up the box, feels the girl kicking in the box, opens it up, and she's alive. Hmm.
1: That sounds like a miracle to me, man. I don't know. Yeah, I'm convinced.
0: So, All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. That's the last episode of the podcast. Uh, you next know.
1: episode, reason to believe. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and, and we can go through the whole song and dancers. There's this one does have a lot going for it. I'll say this because there was a doctor present who name's signed given, who because his name nurse, is given, nurse right? Name's given. And it's given in multiple sources, including some reasonably uh, reliable ones. And the, the most of the details are consistent through all these different sources. Uh, so and there's a lot going for this one. I believe, I, I think it's enough that I can say this baby looked dead at the time. I think that's probably believable, right? Uh, I don't think this one's completely made up, like the most of the details in the car one. But there's still a lot to be desired here. So, for instance, the baby was being worked on, doing whatever doctor stuff, right? And then they put the baby in a box. Well, who knows what happened in the box? The box is gone for three hours. You know, maybe the baby started kicking like boom right
1: away. You yeah. know, what the the natural explanation, which is more prob- probable, is that the life saving measures that they took actually worked and they prematurely announced the baby dead
0: right the doctor made a mistake the yeah. doctor thought the baby was dead and was incorrect which yeah. is a thing that happens
1: so i mean there's a couple of miracles that are quoted in these stories one the miracle that the nurse decided to take her to the chapel instead of the morgue because if she would have took to the morgue they i don't know the baby would have not been alive like they, the when they do the autopsy i don't get that like Oh, this baby's alive, but we're still going to do an autopsy. <laughs> like, Look, I was
0: hired for an autopsy, and by God, there's an autopsy. Give me another body, happen.
1: or I'm doing one right now. <laughs>
0: but don't worry. The baby's not dead. It's about to be. <laughs> <laughs> this one's like, it's not as, the other one is very easy to point to very specific things. I'm yeah. not a doctor, so I can't point to exactly, and I don't think anyone could even hypothetically, because medicine's messy, right? There's mm-hmm. an entire name for the syndrome. It's called the Lazarus syndrome. And people come back to life, quote unquote, not all the time. It's pretty rare, but it does happen. It's documented. And many times they have no kind of religious significance. They just were pronounced dead and then boom, they're alive. You know? Yeah. Turns out we were wrong. How about that?
1: Well, the way uh, the story works, though, is that the story makes it seem like the baby was definitely dead for three hours. But when you read the story, the baby was basically unattended for three hours. Like, And That, and that that's, is a good point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the way they 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 phrase it it looks like someone was like watching this dead baby decaying and going in rigor mortis for 3 hours. Right. And then boom. In fact, in fact, in one of the sources and I can't remember which one, but in one of them like the baby's eye
1: changed color. Yeah, that seems weird.
0: Or or was that that was the one from Africa maybe?
1: That was know, We read a Africa. lot of a funky miracles. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: that was the one from There was another one where someone came back to life and in that one, the person's like eyes went from like gray to colorful or something like before their eyes are, yeah, right.
1: it's crazy. So, I mean, and we just go back to our, our reasoning, like our methods here, like there's more logical, probable explanations that are naturalistic than God intervened for this one baby in Brazil. And the other thing that i like to point out is we brought up a case from Utah, cause I thought it'd be important to do one from the States, but most of the miracle claims you find online are all in like I don't want to use the word third world countries, but not America. Um,
0: <laughs> the other places that don't matter so much,
1: yeah you, you do yeah. find a, a
0: lot more miracle claims in places that are um, have less robust inf- infrastructure and
1: fewer fewer ways to check and verify that something right. happened. <laughs> yeah
0: um, so the point is again, not that we know what happened with the
1: wee baby Yasmin.
0: But that I don't have to go to a miracle, a supernatural layer to reality in order to explain what
1: happened. So this past miracle, we don't have a lot of like, basically, we don't know, right? But what if we wanted to go about and find a way to like detect if there was like intervention in the world from a God? How would we go about doing that?
0: Right. Because ultimately, what we're interested in is not that something weird happened, but that something weird happened and the supernatural caused it.
1: Right. Right. And so just, I don't know, it's a great answer, but if you wanted to take it a little bit further, you know, maybe we could come up with a study or something. I don't know. to see if if God intervenes in the world.
0: So we're not the only ones to think this, obviously. Um, There have been studies in the past mostly focused on trying to quantify the effectiveness of intercessory prayer, as in you pray for a deity or spirit or something to intercede, usually to heal in some way. Um, and measure to see if that's effective. Um, The results have been mixed, but one of the better studies on it was funded by the Templeton Foundation, actually. Which, if you're not familiar with the Templeton Foundation, uh, they're a Christian science organization. So the Templeton Foundation has the Templeton Prize that they kind of play as like the religious version of the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. And it's been granted to uh, like Mother Teresa and other important religious figures. Um, and to be fair, though, uh, it's not just for Christians. Even though the Templeton Foundation is a Christian yeah. organization, they've given their prize to like Hindus Gandhi and Buddhists. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So uh, they they are a Christian organization, but they're mainly seen to be interested in like advancing spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: I think what makes this, this study interesting, though, is that it is a religious organization setting out to try to prove religious or divine intervention. So they funded
0: a group of doctors, and um, the study that they published was published in 2006, uh, the Study of Therapeutic Effects of Intercessory Prayer in Cardiac Bypass Patients by Benson Dusek et al. And essentially what they did was they got a group of patients that were going to have this particular kind of surgery that had this health problem. And they split them into three different groups uh, randomly, you know, double blind and all that. They, one group they said, you may or may not receive prayer. And then they were ultimately prayed for. One group, and then the other two groups, they didn't say what, tell, tell the person that they were going to be prayed for. They didn't tell them anything. And then one of them, they didn't pray for and one of them they did so there's only one possibility they didn't test, which is telling them that you may or may not be prayed for, and then not pray for them. And they said they did it; they didn't do that because they thought it would be unethical to basically dangle this potential treatment in front of somebody and then not give it to them. Yeah,
1: um, it's kind of unethical to be like just not pray for somebody if you think it's going to work, though, right? <laughs> I, I don't know,
0: but I, I guess you got to do something. Um, yeah, and so and then they had like churches and stuff that they got on board, and they told these churches, they gave them very specific instructions. Like here are the people you can pray for. They are the only people you're allowed to pray for from this test. You're not allowed to give prayers to like all of the recipients, only these guys. And they had like a script that they had to like stick pretty close to. And it had like, basically it hit the high points of like, you know, fast recovery and positive. They had like certain points that they were asking for. Right. Um, and then they tested to see what happened. And, the, the test does have some limitations, um, but first the results. Uh, the results were, it turns out, according to the study, if you're prayed for, that is slightly correlated with negative outcomes. So you did slightly worse if you were
1: prayed for. That sounds like the opposite of what you would want to have happen.
0: Right. Now, to be fair, the effect was very minor. <laughs> yeah. um, and they said, you know, more... Uh, more likely more, it's more, chance. More, yeah. yeah and more studies necessary and all that. And it does have some limitations. So for example, it's unethical and possibly immoral and also impossible to stop people from praying about them at all. So like presumably these people have loved ones and some of them are going to be religious and some of them are going to be praying for them. Right. So you can't really like eliminate all intercessory prayer. All you can really test for is the effectiveness of the extra prayer that you're giving them. Right. And So that's one possible limitation. There's plenty of other possible limitations, but what we would expect, like let's just say that the thesis is true, right? Let's say that if you pray to the right God in the right way, that sometimes he'll do stuff, right? Then we would expect that if either God intervenes or he doesn't, if he doesn't, then stuff would happen about at the same rate as it always does. Right. But when he does, it would presume I mean, unless this is an evil god, I guess, but most gods we're talking about are supposed to be ostensibly good, uh they they would fix the cataracts of Sam's mom or whatever, yeah. you know. Or
1: or make sure that your cabbage so cabbage is coronary artery bypass graft, that's the name. Make sure your cabbage procedure went through without a hitch, you know.
0: Right. So so on average, if God was interceding, you should expect on average better results for people who are prayed for to a God that actually exists and intercedes.
1: Right. Yeah. I think this study just shows that it doesn't make a difference, but well, you you could say that, well, God knew you were praying for him and you knew he was being tested and God doesn't like being tested. So he just didn't do anything.
0: Right, which, I mean, that opens a whole new thing. It's like, oh, I was going to heal him, but then you guys are looking, and I can't do it when you watch, you know? like (laughs)
1: You have performance anxiety.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And to be fair, this is only one study. There have been other studies that have come to the opposite conclusion. Um, And the Templeton people, these, sorry, the the researchers themselves were not associated with the Templeton Foundation.
1: They were just the ones who funded it. Yeah, they funded it. Right. But the fact that the Templeton Foundation put this out and they funded it, and, you know, and even after getting the results that they didn't basically want, they still published it. And you know, yeah, it says just, a lot to their credit
0: yeah. credit where it's due. Yeah. Like this was good science, um, and this is how you should go about trying to establish supernatural causation. Like if we if we did have a study and we found that, um, when people pray generally, it doesn't do anything, but when this particular sect of people pray, they have significantly better outcomes right that may not in itself prove supernatural causation but it would at least prove something's going on you know it, it would at least and, and if we dug down and like the only thing we could find out was that like these people are praying and stuff is happening like
1: yeah and it's not like just chance it's not really like there's a statistical thing going on here right. where every time these people pray something happens you know it's like right so it gets you closer the,
0: yeah that's the kind of thing that we that as a skeptic we'd be looking for this would be a evidence of some kind of force even if we don't understand it even if we don't know all the specifics if it exists we should be able to detect it in some way and if we can't yeah. detect it i mean does it exist then you know yeah. i mean i don't think so as but... as uh bart airman's fond of saying if god intervenes in the world why doesn't he intervene
1: yeah the why doesn't he yeah. exactly And most of these miracle claims, I think, fall under the same kind of the thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so kind of this somewhat segues into what's a bad segue, but we're going to do it anyways. So speaking of eyewitnesses, speaking (laughs) of eyewitnesses, (laughs) that's a segue. Human memory and eyewitnesses. So I read uh, Elizabeth Loftus' book, um, Memory, Surprising New Insights into How We Remember and Why We Forget. She published it in 1980. Um, she's done some more work on the subject since then in peer-reviewed literature, but the book is like the main chunk of it. it goes into great detail on like how fallible and just imperfect the human memory is. And why that affects eyewitness testimony. And so most cases of miracles, the evidence is eyewitness testimony for the most part. I
0: I can't tell you how many times someone has told me a miracle and their evidence is, well, the person I talked to saw it or heard of it. Mm -hmm. Or they talked to somebody who talked to it. Like all of the evidence is eyewitness.
1: Her basic thing is memory is imperfect. Um, and she says, this is good because we do not see things accurately in the first place. So it even gets down to like the science of like how our eyes work, how we interpret, how we hear, how we smell things. And our brain has to do so much like throwing out of information to even be able to process the stuff because we couldn't handle everything that's going into it otherwise, you know? Um, but there's, there's so much more that goes into it. And then she talks about some court cases that she did where, you know, people were tried Uh, against eyewitness testimony, sent to prison for life, and then turns out later that the eyewitnesses were wrong. You know, there was a rape case in there. Uh, It's just, it's crazy how fucked up our memory is.
0: Uh, Some of the really interesting parts for research was not just how flawed the memory was, but how easily you could get someone to be very confident in something that was definitely false.
1: Oh, yeah. She did these old cases, like, inserting false memories. Like, just, and she, they would just fuck with people. Just, like, give them false memories. And then the people that they gave false memories, like they could prove that the memory was false. And the people like, no, that actually happened. They were just, no, they would double down. I remember that.
0: it. Yeah. Right. Because we, the story, our brains tell it's the tells itself is that the memory is a record of what happened,
1: right? That's how we perceive the world. Yeah. We think our brains are like hard drives that are just scanning nonstop. It's just, right. just recording stuff.
0: And that is not it at all. No. Our brains have, have evolved to be confident in themselves. And that confidence is in no way earned. (laughs) Uh, A great example is from my own life is my deconversion story, um, which is an important moment in my life. The moment I realized I didn't believe in God anymore. I remember it very clearly. I was driving home from work. I can see the car I can see the road. I can see like the time of day and everything in my head. That's the picture I have. And I remember going through my mind the things that I'd been mulling over and how I, you know, the, the train of thought. And I, it struck me, you know what? I don't believe in God, and I haven't for a while. I guess I'm an atheist. That's a very vivid memory. And I know for a fact that memory is false. I still have it right now. But I just know it's false because I was telling the story over and over. Oh, I'm on my way home from work, whatever. And then I actually thought about it. I was like, well, hold on. The memory I have is like from my house right now. But I was an atheist when I moved here. And I did the math. And I was like, I deconverted like two houses ago. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so yeah. what I think happened is I was telling the story. And and there was no image associated. I was just telling the story. Your oh, on my way home in from the work. Gaps. And yeah. Like- and then at one point at some point my brain was like on the way home from work i know where that is and put in the image (laughs) you know but now it's it's freaking convinced it my brain knows when that freaking thing happened and it was over there
1: about 500 meters from where i'm sitting what's messed up (laughs) is that your brain knows and your brain also knows that what it knows is not right it's like (laughs)
0: right yeah one part of my brain is like this is what happened and the other part is says you're a liar
1: (laughs) oh yeah well, your story kind of reminded me of the fact that like that was a very emotional and highly like high sense of we call it stress even though it may not be stressful but your body was in stress when it had that memory. And so what she, her study did was realize that people who are in high stress situations and she uses the word stress to just mean like heightened emotion, when your body is in that the memories are even more fallible than when you're in a non-heightened state of emotion. And so what's more heightened state of emotion than when a miracle is occurring, you know, like, or an accident, Your
0: baby just died, Your baby or... just died,
1: you know, or the baby you were working on just died. Your body's in a sense of heightened emotion. And therefore your memories of the events are, I'm not going to say they're wrong, but they have the higher potential to record the information inaccurately.
0: You also have the potential for groupthink and kind of the, the, emperor has no clothes sort of phenomena Uh, case. So take the the case of the the vehicle in the water. Suppose, for example, that we did know that the first responders now all report hearing this voice, right? It's, uh, and again, I'm not saying that this happened, but this is the kind of phenomena that we know happened that when people tell these stories to each other, it's like if one of them heard the voice or thinks they heard the voice then as the other people hear it, they'll start incorporating those details into their story. And right. now they'll remember it. So the whole false memory thing. Yeah. Every time you access this memory, your brain, it's your brain doesn't like go pull up the file, like a computer and then put it back. Your brain pulls it up with it, then puts it back. Yeah.
1: So she goes into that in, in detail in her book about how every time we access a memory, we're changing it. Like, which I had, I struggled with because I thought I had like amazing memory. Like I remember stuff from when I was like two years old, like three years old, stuff that like, I, I remember things, but like, do I really though? I mean, right. I have a memory, but how accurate is it? And do so re- let's go back to this cops thing and the firefighters. Like maybe this is just a hypothetical, but maybe what happened is one of the guys was like, did you hear a voice? And the other guy, like, that's all he said. Like, did you hear a voice? And then they're like, yeah, I think I heard a voice. And then their memories just boom. I definitely heard a voice and then they, right. they slowly builds, you know, you could, your minds can run with all of that.
0: But. It's yeah. In fact, um, the whole, you adjust memories over time as you access them is used as treatment. Like people with PTSD, for example, yeah. will uh, go, th- they have like simulators that will intentionally trigger their previous memory, their previous stressful environment. They'll have the visual. Sometimes they'll have sounds or smells and they do it in a very calm place, right? Sometimes so,
1: they give them drugs too while yeah. they're doing it.
0: So you're calm, you're safe, and then you have this memory. And they do it over and over and over again. And so your brain is like, it's kind of decoupling this bad memory from the bad situation. And that only works because our brains are so bad at at remembering yeah.
1: things. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty crazy how, how messed up our brains are. But when you think about it, too, we're just going back to like our original like thesis that what's more natural like the natural explanation is the more probable and the fallibility of human memory is pretty natural <laughs> like
0: so. yeah if there's one thing we know it's that humans lie and humans are mistaken all the time what should you do if you think that there's a miracle or someone tells you that there's a miracle you hear a miracle claim the first thing you should do is not believe it
1: well, the first thing you should do is say, cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, honestly, I would say like, wow, that's interesting, man. Like, I'd like to know more about it. Like, right? May- maybe come from that. Like, uh...
0: And then you try to ask for sources, see what investigation has been done. Uh, And often the answer, at least in my experience, is not. They, they, just, they heard the story and they handed it to you. They just took it hearsay. Yeah. Right. Uh, And so even if you believe that miracles are a thing that can happen, you don't want to be taken in by false impenetra. You should come from a place of skepticism, regardless of your worldview. You know, you should check your sources. And humans are remarkably bad at that, which, I mean, we said this before in this podcast, but that, to me, completely destroys the entire uh, argument for the resurrection, mm-hmm. where they're like, well, uh, when's Buddy Bach comes always like, these are written by eyewitnesses in the time of eyewitnesses you know when paul's like there were 500 people and you go check them right now you know 500 people whose names i'm not telling you and where are they Mm -hmm. you that's where they are like if you want you could go but if you wanted i'm going to tell you about 500 people i'm not going to tell you who they are where they are or what their names are you know but if you want go ask them right right so that aside right Even supposing they had that information, people haven't changed in 2,000 years. It's not like if you went back 2,000 years ago, everyone was Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. These people, like, say the church in Galatia, and I guess we're going on a tangent, but screw it. Say there's the church in Galatia or Corinth or whatever. Paul tells them, hey, there was this miracle in Judea. They'd have to, like, get on a ship and go to Judea. Not that they couldn't. They could. But, like, that level of they'd have to do that level of effort, get to Jerusalem f- and then like walk around and find somebody, you know, you start
1: knocking on doors, Yeah, start
0: knocking on doors or go to the church or something. It's and just easier point,
1: to believe it, though. bro. Right.
0: But yet you have Christians who have miracle stories today. I've literally had Christian friends of mine who are like, what about this miracle atheist? And I'm like, oh, well, here's your story. Have you checked it? Like this guy says he was a doctor. Was he a doctor or have you is like, no, I did. Like I just read it and here you go like like they literally have the ability to fact check it in their hand in the very thing they're using to tell me about it and they still don't do it so if if that's what modern christians like if that's the level of effort they are refusing to do it now i find it hard to believe that two thousand years ago they were all like super uber skeptics you know
1: i think that kind of highlights the bigger point that is if if you're talking with christians you have to understand that they are primed to believe these stories from the start they're they're not primed like we are to be skeptical of them so if somebody says that a miracle happened one they already believe that miracles happen and they have no reason to doubt that the person telling the story is lying our job is to get them to realize that they do have reason to doubt and uh <laughs> and, and I ask a few more there. questions yeah I see what you're saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good point. That uh, sometimes when I've challenged people on this point, I get an answer something like, "Well, maybe this wasn't true, but miracles happen." So it's like, not that some of them will be true, you know? Yeah, it's kind of because they're coming at it from the idea that this miracles happened is an established fact, and so this one in particular miracle claim isn't that big of a claim because this is just a thing that happens. So to sum it all up, David Hume said, a wise person always proportions one's belief to the evidence. And that's really all skepticism is. It's you have a story, cool story. What's your evidence? And if you don't have any, I don't believe you. It's that simple. And it works for miracles. It works for aliens. It's the cure for all that ails you. It'll make you instantly the least popular
1: person at every party. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, yeah. Use it sparingly, because you will lose a lot of friends and family real fast.
0: Sometimes it's better just to nod and smile. But deep down, you know. Yeah. You know, deep down. They're wrong. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, uh, leave us a like on whatever platform you use to uh, listen to it. We are posting our stuff on YouTube now as well. So if you want to listen to this audio with some kind of funky stuff going on in the background, if that's your thing, you can go over there. If you have any ideas for what we should do in the future or if you think we're wrong or want to correct us or you know tell us about your miracle claim which you know this one is the real deal uh then hit us up on facebook uh facebook.com slash reason the number two doubt and i promise i will read your miracle claim if you put it there
1: i promise i won't
0: yeah so we'll both keep our promise Uh, wait i'll
1: I'll try (laughs) yeah i will
0: uh so again uh, thanks for listening. And remember, till next time, you always have reason to doubt.
1: Stay skeptical.